father loved reality television shows to the point that when he got home from work, he'd turn on the TV and he wouldn't do anything else. He became a boring individual. We never did anything as a family anymore. We didn't have family dinners. It became him eating in front of the television and then us occasionally getting some eye contact or a nudge of the head to, you know, pretty much get out of his way of the television. Our mother snapped and she hired a, a cameraman, right? So this cameraman, she got him to come to our house and uh, convinced him, the cameraman, to go around our house and make our house into a reality television show. My father loved it. He was ecstatic. He got so excited. He made a few phone calls that evening, and the next day, our house was swarming. We had seven cameramen. We had people installing microphones into the plants and hiding cameras all over the place. We can't turn a corner in our house without a cameraman following us around with these recording devices. My father has insisted that we don't address them, that we never speak to them, that we pretend that they aren't even there. And, well, you know, anything that you do in your house, I don't even know if I am if I can bathe in private. I, I'm wondering when I'm in the shower if, you know, here my father is planting some camera and listening to every song I sing and everything I do. You know, I, I, can't, I can't handle it. I got in a fight with one of these cameramen. They would not get out of my room. It was Three o'clock in the morning, and the guy's just sitting. It's kind of creepy to have a 35-year-old man sitting there with a camera watching you sleep. It's like, I don't even know what this is for. I know it's not being broadcast. So uh, when we first developed what's the most humiliating thing you would do on television for $50, it was, uh, what, 1992. It took a lot of pushing to get that through because nobody thought it was a good idea. They thought we'd just have a bunch of crazy people doing whatever. But eventually we were able to convince the uh, executives that uh, this would be a popular show, and not just that, but also a uh, cheaply produced show as well. That's uh, one of the big selling points, is since we're only giving away $50, it really doesn't cost much because we just need a guy holding a camera, and you get some uh, sap to come on and do whatever he is willing to. And uh, by the beginning of May... Uh, we were just uh, running out of places to stuff the money. I don't know why it became so popular, other than uh, the fact that we just kept telling people that they like it. <laughs> That's really the key to producing any television show, it would seem. Is it doesn't matter if people actually like it. As long as you tell them that they're supposed to like it, they'll watch it. So after it became popular, like uh, after the first few weeks, we just started getting loads of videos in from all over the country, and uh, it was really interesting to just, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing when they get on the show and you're actually going to give them $50 and they're going to do something humiliating, but the fact that they will send in videos doing humiliating things just to get the chance to get $50 really says something for our, uh, our television network and uh, the quality of programming that, that we're producing. I'm the director of The Second Coming. And I'm the producer of uh, The Second Coming. And we're, we're here to talk today about our Jesus. new show. And Jesus. And I guess the idea came from um, a smattering of focus groups that we held trying to figure out what kind of reality television people are into. Because there's Who's so much hot? today. Who's, Who's hot? hot? We want to know. Well... Jesus is hot. Always. He's been hot for 2,000 years. The majority of Americans believe in Jesus. A good percentage of them worship him. And uh, we figured that if we could combine Jesus with 
you know, elimination challenges and um, miracles. Miracles on television, we, we, we'd be set. We'd be rolling in the dough. So what we did is we organized two teams. Neighboring towns, each got a Jesus. Each Jesus has 12 disciples that follow him. Right, in a line like swamps. We tell the towns that Jesus is coming and he announced his second coming to us. And each team, you know, does a series of challenges that we, the creators of this enterprise, know about but no one else knows the town. They have no idea. They think that this is really Jesus. And uh, every week we uh, we take a poll of how many people in the town actually believe that it's Jesus and his disciples. And whichever town has the more believers ultimately will win. The funny thing is that the Lord, he's not really the Lord. You right. know, <laughs> like it's like total, it's totally a joke, but not really a joke. We just want to make some money. Hi, my name is Leslie and I have always wanted to pursue journalism ever since high school. It has been uh, a dream of mine to follow in the footsteps of the greats, such as Walter Cronkite, you know, Ed Murrow, and so on. And um, I heard about Operation Anchor, and I thought that would be a great way for me to break into this career um, in a challenging format, you know, and really get to exercise my skills and show the world that I was made for journalism. So on day one, we all got together in this house and, you know, there was a huge introduction of everyone. And uh, honestly, that first impression was a little bit weird because no one else there seemed to be really interested in journalism. And um, I started realizing that all the girls had names like Bambi or Gigi and, you know, the guys, they all really seemed like athletes more than anything. There's, there's that one guy, Biff. And then there's that one guy, uh, Snake. Yeah, that, that creeped me out. So um, then I, I noticed Bambi and Biff and Gigi were... They were doing something together in the hot tub. And, you know, I tried to make conversation with someone else there about, you know, current events or world leaders. You know, I mentioned Mahmoud Ahmadinejad and Bambi asked if that was another shot. Yeah, I really hope when the challenges start tomorrow, things will all sort of fall into place. What does America love more than Jesus? stereotypes and cheeseburgers and cheeseburgers so we had mcdonald's cater an event a casting event who are going to be our people of galilee so galilee people stereotypes we had we had a jock a nerd a black person we had uh you know a couple couple gays couple lesbians thrown in the mix yeah we had two of each stereotype separated them into teams, you know, grouped them together and had them be in separate houses. Now, what they didn't know was that on each team of 13 people, we had put one guy in there who was pretty clearly going to be the Jesus, but we wanted to make it seem like they were electing their miracle worker leader. Right, right. Um, so, I mean, you know, both teams had the dude who walked around in sandals and, you know, flowing clothes, long hair, bam, Jesus. Oh, he also... He opened his box, his Big Mac box, and oh, guess what? There were two burgers in it. 
Okay, little things like this in the casting process that just show, hey, maybe this guy's got a little something going. Right, right. And then he he would pick up the buns and say, I could turn this into food for 5000 The network had uh, no hesitation on taking anything that I put out there because I'd just been bringing in so much money for them. Basically, we just uh, started throwing out any ideas that, that we had, and, you know, we'd run them for a season or a mid-season uh, replacement for something. And, uh, you know, we had um, Butcher for a day where we brought the a vegetarian into a slaughterhouse or uh, who can drive the fastest backwards, which is just like it sounds. And then our next big one was uh, The Professor, which probably was my favorite to date, where we had swimsuit models and bodybuilders go teach at Ivy League universities. And uh, that one worked out really well. It was uh, kind of fun. There were a few scandals and whatnot, but that just helps ratings. So I think the winner was uh, teaching at Yale, some some woman named Bambi. It, it worked out pretty well. I think she's still there and has tenure now. So We left the house together. We arrived at an airstrip, and of course, instantly I'm thinking, this has got to be the most exciting thing I've ever done. You know, it's my first challenge, and I'm already getting to travel. We get onto the plane, and we get up in the air. And at cruising altitude, we're told that, in fact, the challenge will entail certain politicians being thrown out of the airplane without parachutes, and then the contestants will be thrown out after them, and instructed to grab a politician and ask a question about either their campaign or a particular corruption issue or something of the sort. And I guess the assumption is that you have to do this in order for your parachute to deploy. They weren't really too clear about that. And before I knew it, I had two questions to ask and they started pushing us out the plane. So I'm falling out of this airplane and... I have my eyes set on one particular politician and then out of nowhere, Bambi comes like spinning past me and like smacks him and that they, they go off to the side and, I, you know, I'm trying to just find someone. So eventually I grab this politician and, you know, I pull out my questions to ask him and they go flying in the wind. So, you know, I start thinking, well, what can I ask a general question for a politician, right? Uh, corruption allegations against him, because that is just standard for politicians. And I start asking him, I yell these questions, you know, what do you have to say about these allegations against you on the corruption charges, you know? And I have no idea what he answered because I, I couldn't hear with all the wind turbulence in my ears. But um, next thing I know, my parachute is deployed and we land, so... I guess I did okay. I, I, I'm not sure. Okay, so do do the people in these two towns want to see one fish turn into 10,000 fish? No. I mean, it's, it's, a little, it's a little old. It's a little antiquated. Go buy a fish right. or 10,000. Go buy. It's not, or just go catch a few. Not hard to come by. Sufficient. Okay. What do they want to see? They want to see choppers, motorcycles. Um, babes. Babes. So... Our first miracle challenge is uh, where the, the disciples will each work without their Jesus to make th the sweetest looking chopper motorcycle, okay? Because they're going to want to see the disciples make custom tailpipes and flames on the side of these choppers. Okay, so then the choppers are unveiled and, uh, you know, the townspeople ooh and ah the, the motorcycles and then the Jesuses have to hop on their respective choppers 
are right up the side of the steepest mountain in the middle of these two towns. Okay, whichever Jesus gets farther up the mountain without falling off the back of his motorcycle wins. And, and by winning, he's performed a miracle. And by winning, he gets to keep his disciples. Why would Jesus exercise demons when he could exercise his bot? Yeah, we're going to have a rock climbing wall in each of the towns. And, you know, we're going to have the Jesuses race up that rock climbing wall, harnessed. And then all of a sudden they're flying through the sky. Who knew that Jesus could fly? Right. And as if, as if we were not impressed by this and were the dumb American public that needs to get shown how to react to this, it boils down to this. Sex sells. Okay. Sex sells. Sex makes ratings. So we get, you know, we get some of those... Those sexy togas. Those sexy togas show a little cleavage as they cheer on the Jesus on the top of the rock, glistening with sweat. Maybe some girls are making out below. Who knows? Okay, I don't know, but it's going to sell. So anyway, we all got back to the house and were led out to the back patio where there are tiki torches set up and tribal music playing. There's live drumming. I see some some guys look like they could be Polynesian or something and... You know, everybody's wearing tribal paint, and we're all lined up, and out comes Dan Rather with body paint, and he explains to us that some of us met the challenges and some of us didn't, and he proceeded to hand out press passes to those who, I, I guess, successfully uh, accomplished their mission, and of course, some people didn't receive press passes. Unfortunately, I did. I, I received a press pass, but I'm not entirely sure why, because all I did was jump out of a plane. I got used to waking up in the morning with a cameraman sitting there filming me. But one morning I woke up and there was a, you know, a feminine man waiting for me to, you know, arise and good morning, very excited, you know, not really what I'm ready for. I'm definitely not a morning person, but this guy, very chipper, very go get him. Apparently he had burned all my clothes that evening and uh, we had to go out and go shopping for a new wardrobe for me. Um, this was obviously upsetting to me for a number of reasons, but, uh, first and foremost being that, well, I was still in high school and I needed to go, to, it was a Wednesday and I needed to go to school. Uh, my father burst in the room and said, you are going out with Gerald if you like it or not. And, um, as it was, Gerald and I went out, I got a manicure, a pedicure, I got waxed, I got a stupid haircut, a bunch of leather boots with heels, I think they're girls, tight jeans and collared shirts that button down and I'm not supposed to button them to bare my chest? Really? Is this what my father wants? Style tips from an effeminate man? Truly? Is this reality television? Our first big surprise event is going to be the Devil's Fiddle Contest, where we're going to bring in uh, this guy, you know, he 
put him in a nice little costume, some horns and stuff. Tell the town that he's the devil. He's going to fiddle for him. We've got some champion fiddlers for each town that are going to do this shtick. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll fiddle, impress, wow. And then we bring in each of the disciples. We surprise them and say, hey, guess what? Talent show on the stage. And they... Stat. Right. Luckily for us, some of the disciples, you know, were big on the French horn in high school. They played in the band. They marched around the football field, you know. So they pick up the little trombone, play alongside the devil. We got some other guy playing little licks of, uh, you know, Nirvana. And all... All you could hear from the crowd is Freebird. Freebird! Freebird. Now, could this guy play Freebird on the guitar? No. 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 Can he answer no. their prayers? No. no. No, definitely not. That's why we have Jesus, who comes up along the side of the stage, and he starts singing Leonard Skinnerd, and the crowd goes wild. They believe that this is Jesus. Did they know that he had the Confederate flag tattooed on his chest? No. Did we when we cast him? Yeah. So one of the big problems you have in the reality TV show business is um, you get a lot of uh, frivolous lawsuits. We really had big problems on uh, the show Pop Star Terrorist, where uh, we had the contestants singing and uh, vying for a major record deal. But at the same time, they didn't get it by performing best. They got the deal by guessing which of the other contestants was actually a terrorist and plotting an attack on a major city. And uh, worked out really well the, the first season. The guy wasn't found till um, four or five weeks uh, into the show. But, you know, with editing and everything, we were able to stretch it out to a full season. Unfortunately, the next season, there was this uh, nice young lady and um, who was the terrorist. And uh, nobody guessed it. We had a lot of other members accused of it, but... Uh, they didn't catch her, and eventually she detonated a bomb in uh, downtown Dallas, and uh, it killed a few people. And the United States government came after us for that one because we knew which of the contestants was a terrorist, obviously, but we, uh, we failed to inform the proper authorities in time to prevent the attack. So, the Last Supper. In the Bible, it's a Passover dinner, but here... In the second coming. All you can eat buffet. Every night. That's right. Holiday in Hojo style. Hojo. Right. So the idea of this is that, you know, all the disciples and their, their Jesuses are sitting around having, uh, oh man, like mashed potatoes, green beans. But this is the Just kicker. The, the wine and the bread are bigger than everything else. So they have little portions of ice cream, little biscuits here and there, you know, a, a steak, a little slice of ham, all on miniature plates. The bread and the wine, huge. center stage, huge. Huge. Okay. Then Rob Schneider comes out. He's the host, surprise host, and uh, very solemnly announces that one of these disciples is going home. So we have this girl come in, this attractive girl. And she gets buxom. She's buxom. Buxom woman. And she gets down on her knees, washes the feet of every one of the disciples. And then what she does is she calls Judas over. Judas comes shirtless. Shirtless. He's a hunk. Shirtless. He's, I mean, he's, he's, you know, just toned. He's Stud muffin. Oh, man. He takes a walk around, kind of eyeing everybody, you know, making them think that they all have a chance. Meanwhile, their feet are getting massaged by this beautiful, voluptuous woman. Mary Magdalene. Right. And uh, he goes up to the, the loser disciple, kisses him, and the disciple 
is crucified, but not really crucified, listeners. Don't you worry. He is faux crucified. You know, we should bring to attention that when Judas kisses some of these disciples, it's going to be hilarious because, you know, the jock who's homophobic getting kissed by a dude glistening, ratings. I mean, the jock's probably going to punch him in the face. Or, or maybe he's going to slam him into the sweet potatoes covered in marshmallows. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Who knows where it could go? You know, and if the Judas kisses the hot blonde, maybe they're going to go crawl underneath the table. Oh, jello rob- wrestling. Oh, who knows? Who knew, who knew there was jello underneath the table? Not me. Well, I did because I put it there. I came home from school one day and my parents were, they were fighting. And my mother was really upset with my father who had apparently just quit his job. He had taken a full-time position now as a creative consultant for the television show. My mother couldn't get through his head that there was no show. And my father would tell her, but you started this. You started this whole project. This was your idea. My mother would retort, yes, but it was for one night. We were supposed to have a fun evening together. This wasn't supposed to be our life. It wasn't supposed to consume us. He insisted now that with the financial concerns of our family because he quit his job, that my brother and I had to get new jobs to support the family. He offered the idea of professional model or tattoo artist, you know, something interesting, uh, a, a detective, private eye, or, you know, something that would be great for television. I ended up working at Dairy Queen. So at this point, I think the producers must be running out of ideas because the next challenge required us to compete with Dan Rather in a series of just unrealistic, I mean, this absolutely has nothing, nothing to do with storytelling or reporting or journalism at all. Uh, We were asked to compete with Dan Rather in darts, in whack-a-mole and skeet shooting so on and so forth. I mean, yeah, I've never done these things, so it did in some way present a challenge for me. But um, as I was waiting my turn, and I see, you know, Bambi prancing around in her Daisy Dukes, Snake getting ready next to me, all I could think was, I really got to win this challenge. I really have to become a journalist. So when Dan Rather took off his shirt in all his winning glory and starts flexing his pecs and yells at me to hit him in the stomach, hit him in the stomach. I did it. I I smacked Dan Rather right square in the stomach. The best part about this whole second coming, you know, we couldn't have anticipated if we tried. The townspeople really have believed that each of their Jesuses is the real Jesus and that the second coming is imminent. We couldn't have asked for anything more. No, I mean, they've start, They've discarded all of their clothes. They're just hot. wearing... Right, hot, hot, totally hot. Wearing minimal, minimal burlap potato sacks and, and that sort of thing, you know, whatever they come by. And, you know, giving themselves lashings, harvesting their own food. They've stopped supporting 
every form of commerce as we know it today, entertainment, they entertain each other um, with hymns, hymns and dancing and uh, drawing in the dirt. Great television. Kind of weird. I'm not going to lie. I like going back to the trailer and like flipping on the TV. So my job at Dairy Queen with my father following me around at all times with cameras to make sure we're getting the maximum amount of confrontation with all the customers Dairy Queen was never a a minute of quieter solitude. I gave the wrong blizzard to one of our customers once, and my father instantly got all the cameramen to swarm her, and they surrounded her and asked her, how did it feel to get this wrong blizzard? How did it feel to be ignored? How did it feel that you got a Heath bar instead of M&Ms in your blizzard? He broke her down. She started sobbing. She related everything that had been miserable in her life for the past few months. My manager was furious with me. He's like, what, what is this? You're belittling our customers? You're making them cry? You, your, your father is following them with cameramen? I was abruptly fired and forced to you know, find a new job, which you know made more interesting reality television because my father, with nothing to do, uh, was looking now for someone to pay the telephone bill or Make sure the mortgage is still being paid for. But, you know, to make it interesting, I'd have to do it blindfolded or wear a high school cheerleader uniform. All of this will eventually lead to the show's finale, uh, which we're calling Apocalypse. Now. Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now is coming, and we and the townspeople are going to be ready. Rob Schneider, giant screen, announcing the winning Jesus. So, yeah, maybe these people have shunned technology for the time being, but we give them little voting buttons so they can program in, you know, do I believe that this is the second coming of Christ? Big ceremony, lots of lights, champagne flowing, okay? So Babes walking around with appetizers, little sticks. Motorcycles, just driving around. The the, the works, Uh, you know, we haven't even worked out all the details, but it's going to be big. It's going to be epic. It's a celebration. Right. This is Jesus. So then after we have the celebration, we you know clean up, pack out, thank the town for their participation, explain to them that this was all just part of a, you know, a reality TV. Our biz. Right. It's our biz. We just explain, you know, this wasn't really the second coming of Christ. <laughs> I mean, it, I think they'll get it. Yeah. I mean, if there's any damage that occurs, it's, it's definitely short term. I mean, it's not like we've been in, in the town for more than a year. Right. I mean, they'll be fine. They'll gradually start wearing clothes and cooking normal meals. They'll stop crying, thinking they're beside the River of Babylon when they're really next to the Mississippi. Come on. They'll stop sacrificing their children that they think are going to hell because they think it's better to kill them now than, you know, to let them experience the apocalypse and blah, blah, blah. They'll be fine. So uh, sometimes we get a lot of criticism for the fact that we're just exploiting people's desire to be seen on television. But I, I, I just don't think that that's um, a fair way of looking at it. I mean, everybody that signs up for um, what's the most humiliating thing you would do on television for $50 knows what they're getting into. I mean, they know they're going to be doing something that they might later regret, and um, they're willing to do it. And I'm not saying I'm out there to uh, you know help the public or anything. I, I produce a product that people want, and as long as people want to watch that someone's going to make it so it might as well be me because i know i can at least trust myself to produce a quality product that is 
still wholesome enough for the entire family to sit down and watch on a Wednesday night for an hour. Cameramen are very expensive, and, you know, when my father isn't working and I was recently fired from Dairy Queen, it became tougher and tougher to pay the bills. So my father decided to cut what was most extraneous with our lives and uh, decided to sell the house and uh, told us that we were going to move to an island and we would continue to film our lives to capture the exciting events and relationship confrontations that happen day to day. What he failed to tell us, that the island was in fact the median strip that was outside our former house, and uh, so we threw all of our stuff on the median strip, and we were forced to live a life of urban survival, where we would hunt squirrels for food and collect fresh water that, when it rains. Uh, my mother didn't really care for this idea, and she took my brother and I with her when our father had moved all of our belongings onto the island. And uh, when the cameraman tried to follow her, she grabbed the camera, smashed it on the ground. I have not seen my father since. Legacy of the show, you may ask what I think the legacy of the show is going to be. My thought is, you can be Jesus too. And people will believe. Jesus too. Filming starts next month. Casting call, New York, L.A., Minneapolis and Phoenix, Arizona. Free cheeseburgers. Jesus 2. The second season of the second coming. So they just announced the final challenge and um, <laughs> basically we're required to drink Dan Rather under the table. And uh, I really think I have a chance. I really think I can win this. So I'm going to try to drink as much as I can and... And really just take this on because because deep down I know of everyone else here, I am the best one cut out to be an anchor person. I mean, I am. And I just have this feeling that when I wake from that hangover, I will be a journalist. 